This is Ozarks at Large for the last Monday in April, the 24th, 2023. I'm Kyle Callums. Already the last Monday in April? That's terrifying. (laughs) I'm Matthew Moore. This is 91.3 KUAF, a listener-supported service of the School of Journalism and Strategic Media at the University of Arkansas. Later today, David Sedaris talks with Kyle about travel, meeting his Apple Watch goals, and finding the creepiest clown picture for the cover of his latest book, Happy Go Lucky. He'll be on stage tomorrow at Walton Arts Center. First, House Bill 1706, now Act 824, transfers authority over liquid animal waste management systems from the Arkansas Department of Environmental Quality, or ADEQ, to the State Department of Agriculture. This measure echoes Senate Bill 550 from 2019. Ozarks at Large's Anna Pope reports that House Bill 1706 was filed March 27th, and 10 days later, the bill is transferred to Governor Sarah Huckabee Sanders' desk. The new law gives the Department of Agriculture, in consultation with ADEQ, the power to make rules, issue and modify permits, approve design plans and site requirements regarding liquid animal waste management systems. Liquid animal waste applies to manure from livestock like hogs and cattle. And a management system is a plan involved in collecting, storing, distributing, or destroying waste. The systems are meant to help prevent non-point source water pollution and reduce odor. Brian Thompson, president of the Ozark Society, says he is concerned about how the bill will affect the way permits are issued. The animal waste that comes from large hog farms, uh, they, they use that to fertilize the fields, but the material contains a lot of phosphorus and the runoff can impact our waterways. And we're seeing more algae issues in our extraordinary resource waters, meaning our rivers here in Arkansas. We're seeing that all the time. Thompson says a similar bill, Senate Bill 550, was brought up about four years ago and drew attention from the Environmental Protection Agency. Anne Idsall, a former EPA regional administrator, wrote in a letter to ADEQ if the legislation was enacted, the federal department would review the law to make sure it met Clean Water Act requirements. The bill was pulled down during the 2019 session. Ozarks at large contacted EPA officials and Jenna Durant, EPA public affairs specialist, says the department is aware of the new bill and does not have a comment at this time. This past March, in the Arkansas House Agriculture, Forestry and Economic Development Committee, Republican Deanne Vaught of Horatio and author of then House Bill 1706, says the measure is meant to centralize the permit process for Arkansas producers. But we have lots of state agencies that farmers have to go to to get answers. They have to go here and they have to go here and they have to go here and it's not like all centrally located and we have an ag department which I think is very the ceiling in which everything agriculture should be underneath. In a year, about 1.8 million pigs are produced in Arkansas, and the total value of the state's pork production is at least $80 million annually, according to the Arkansas Farm Bureau. John Bailey, the director of the Bureau's Commodity and Regulatory Affairs Department, says most of the organization's members are for the bill. He and Vought say some other states, like Oklahoma, have authority of liquid animal waste management systems under a Department of Agriculture. Where we like the idea of being able to move this to the Department of Ag is is that they have the ability, and we think that the understanding of how agriculture works, and they can work more closely with these farmers um, in an effort to make sure that the environment is protected. Northwest Arkansas is where most of Arkansas's poultry farms operate. Chicken litter, unlike hog waste, is classified as dry waste. People needing permits for dry waste management must already go through the Department of Agriculture instead of ADEQ. Parts of Northwest Arkansas are in a nutrient surplus area. This is a place where the amount of nutrients like manure applied on land is regulated because it already has high amounts of nutrients. Lane Kreider, chief executive officer of Beaver Water District, says adding wet waste to the equation could have impacts. You know, our board of directors here, district, you know, if it, since its inception, have never stated they want to improve the water quality in Beaver Lake because the water quality is fantastic. But we want to and have always worked to preserve, you know, the existing quality. And as we see it, you know, or any of these individual issues, individual permit, in-application permits, NPDES permits, 
developments near or on the lake, they're minor in their individual impact, potentially. But you start combining them, you know, the aggregation of it kind of eventually chips away at the foundation. And that's, you know, looking, trying to be forward-looking, that's our greatest concern. Beaver Water District is one of the biggest water districts in the state. Its four customer cities, Springdale, Rogers, Bentonville, and Fayetteville, supply water to nearly 360,000 people. The water district is one of four water suppliers on Beaver Lake that provide water to at least half a million people. For Ozarks at Large in the Bruce and Ann Applegate News Studio One, I'm Anna Pope. Matthew. Yes. If you were going to do something this week and I told you it costs no money, would you be excited about that? I'd be much more interested. Okay. Absolutely. Well, there are plenty of ways to be entertained or informed over the next several days without spending money. Caveat, right? These are all over the place, mm-hmm. so you will have to spend gas money. So nothing is absolutely free. Absolutely. And some of these have, as the web would say, in-app purchases available. Right. Food trucks and whatnot. <laughs> all right. Let's see. Uh, there is a, a self-guided art walk in Springdale throughout the downtown in Springdale. It'll include gla- galleries, museums, maker spaces. That takes place this weekend, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Mm-hmm. Go to Springdale, see all the art you want. Uh, UAFS will present a grand night for singing. That's in the Ark Best Performing Arts Center. It's part of their annual season of entertainment. It features the UAFS men's and women's chorus and special guests. That's 7 o'clock Thursday night. Free. It's free. It's free. Also Thursday night, Bentonville's newest neon mural will be lit up for the first time with a community lighting at 8 on the downtown square. you got to wait till the sun goes down after all. Interactive neon mural number 16 by Spider Tag, curated by Just Kids, courtesy of Oz Art NWA. Free of charge. Free of charge. Live at Turnbow Park Concert Series in downtown Springdale. Starts 6.30 um, Thursday night. It's the first one of the season. Pura Coco will open. Funk Factory after that. They will have uh, these concerts the last Thursday of each month at Turnbow Park, each month through September. No charge. <laughs> Friday, the annual Dogwood Festival in Salem Springs will get underway. It's 9 to 7.30 Friday and Saturday, 10 to 5 Sunday. Plenty to do. Uh, again, in-app purchases, but to go. Doesn't cost you a thing. There you go. Friday night at 6. Blanca Amuzaka will talk about her current work exhibit at the famous hardware building in Springdale. Her talk is at 6 at the Medium. It'll be followed by a walk over to the art itself. Free of charge. There you go. Friday night, the University Singers Concert, presented by the Northeastern State University Music Department in Tahlequah. The concert is Friday night at 7 in the Center for Performing Arts in Tahlequah. What will that set you back? It won't cost you a thing. Saturday morning, a walk and talk. The good, the bad, and the in-between is an hour of Fayetteville Square history with one of my favorite people, J.B. Hogan. It begins at 10. You'll meet in the Mountain Street lobby of the library. Then you go to the square, learn some stuff. Walk back. It takes about an hour. You'll get to add some steps to your Apple Watch, and it's free. There you go. Saturday at Basin Spring Park in Eureka Springs, band we've had on the show a couple of times, State House Electric, will perform from 4 to 6. Doesn't cost any money. And then Sunday at Fayetteville Public Library, beginning at 1 Sunday afternoon, is Robot Riot. It's a robotics, robotics battle royale with the U of A Riot Robotics Club at 2 in the library. Kay Adams and Nancy Markey discussed their article, A Gilded Age Tale of Murder and Madness. You may remember mm-hmm. they were on our show in January, I think it was. All right. The robots are in the event center. The authors in the Walker Community Room do both for... Absolutely free. Freshgrass Bentonville, the two-day all-ages music festival, returns to the momentary May 19th and 20th. Celebrating today's bluegrass and roots music, featuring L. King, the Del McCory Band, Arkansas, and over 30 bands in all. Single and two-day tickets are now available at themomentary.org. Little Wing presents Dave Mason coming to the City Auditorium Thursday, July 27th, 7.30 p.m. Reserve tickets to go on sale this Friday at 10 at tickets.thunderticks.com. Dave Mason, live July 27th. Ahead today on Ozarks at Large, David Sedaris. He's on stage at the Walton Arts Center tomorrow. We recently talked to him about getting in front of audiences following the pandemic shutdown and how you get the creepiest looking clown for the cover of your book. So I Googled creepy clown, and that was <laughs> the, the clown with the poodle on his lap and the child at his side was the first image that came up. So 
said, I said, this is what I want. And he said, but he's creepy. I said, exactly. Our conversation with David Sedaris later this hour. On the first episode of the newest podcast from KUAF and the Northwest Arkansas Martin Luther King Jr. Council, The Beloved Community, University of Arkansas Chancellor Dr. Charles Robinson speaks with host Lindsay Leverett about his work at the University of Arkansas and about his commitment to the land-grant mission of the University of Arkansas to help create a better future for individuals and society as a whole. Thinking about how, again, in everything that we do, what those who are least among us in terms of their resources, what impact it would have on them, I think that is in line with Dr. King and his dream and, and, and the responsibility we have as campus leaders to build this beloved community. Listen and subscribe to the Beloved Community Podcast for free at KUAF.com or anywhere you get your podcasts. This is Ozarks at Large. State officials are urging Arkansans to re-enroll in the state's Medicaid program following the end of the federal COVID-19 public health emergency. During the pandemic, Arkansans who otherwise would have lost health insurance coverage were kept on the state's Medicaid rolls. Now, the State Department of Human Services is working to check eligibility of all Medicaid recipients with potentially hundreds of thousands of Arkansans in danger of losing their health insurance coverage. DHS Medicaid Control Center Director Amy Webb says the goal is to make the redetermination process accurate, timely, and easy for stakeholders. This is a huge undertaking. It is historic and unlike anything any Medicaid program in the country has ever done. There are going to be bumps in the road. It is not going to be perfect, but our job and our goal is to make sure that when we see those issues, that we uh, react quickly, fix them, and we try to be proactive wherever possible. Webb says the department is conducting outreach in English, Spanish, and Marshallese in an attempt to get Arkansans to re-enroll in Medicaid coverage. She says while it was important to continue Medicaid coverage during the pandemic, removing ineligible Arkansans from the program will help keep it financially solvent. Medicaid is a vital, life-saving service for a lot of people, uh, particularly those with disabilities, kids, and people who are aging in their homes or actually in uh, long-term care facilities. And we want to make sure that this program is sustainable for the long term for the people who need it. Webb made her comments in a webinar hosted by the Arkansas Advocates for Children and Families on Friday. Arkansans can renew their Medicaid coverage by visiting ar.gov renew. The latest numbers from the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics place unemployment in Arkansas at a record low 3 percent, down one-tenth of one percent from March 2022. The 2023 March report shows more than 1.3 million people are employed in Arkansas, with about 10,000 more jobs in the state than the same time a year ago. And the numbers indicate just fewer than 41,000 unemployed Arkansans. That's a drop of more than 5% compared to March 2022. The biggest year-over-year sector job gains were in trade, transportation, and utilities. Research from the Arkansas Center for Health Improvement indicates the incidence of hunger among seniors age 60 and older in Arkansas persists, even though food insecurity rates for seniors over the past decade declined 10 percent statewide. ACHI reports more than 43,000 Arkansas seniors will experience hunger this year due to social isolation, lack of money and transportation, and or systemic racism. As a result, they are likely to experience debilitating health conditions. Chase Gibson, director of the Fayetteville Senior Activity and Wellness Center, says the center operates eight Meals on Wheels routes daily. Six of those are volunteer routes and two of them are employees uh, of ours that run the other two. And we have a kitchen staff that preps about um, 350 to 400 meals a day. Um, and about 250 of those will go for our Meals on Wheels program. So, and we, we, those eight routes that go out, they just hand deliver those meals to the door. Um, and then on Thursdays, we also take frozen meals for the weekend for uh, people that also need meals on the weekend. 
48 nonprofit senior centers operate across the state, including area on aging branch offices and associated nonprofit organizations, many offering supplemental meals for seniors. Gibson says volunteers for the program are always welcome. People typically volunteer one day a week. And so they would have the same route. Let's say you volunteer every Wednesday. So you get here around 10, pick up your route. It's the same route every week. You get to know those people on the route. You develop relationships with them. And um, it takes, you know, it's, it's usually about 10 to 20 people somewhere in there. So it usually takes about an hour, um, hour and 15 minutes to run that. So it does, you can use your lunch break once a week. And it's incredibly rewarding. Um, it's humbling oftentimes when you when you visit these people so it definitely makes you grateful for your own situation and the uh, the blessings that you have in your own life. Gibson says 99% of donations to local Meals on Wheels programs are directed toward the purchase of food and pay for cooks and drivers. A bladesmith is the 2023 Arkansas Living Treasure as selected by the Arkansas Arts Council. Lyndon Ray will be honored with the award at a ceremony in Little Rock in June. According to a press release from the Arts Council, he's been bladesmithing for over 20 years, a mastersmith with the American Bladesmithing Society, and studied at the Bill Morin School of Bladesmithing at Old Washington State Park. The Arkansas Living Treasure Program annually recognizes, honors, and celebrates masters of traditional crafts and or folk arts in Arkansas with the goal of highlighting and preserving Arkansas's unique heritage. Others named as Arkansas Living Treasures in past years include the late Hank Kaminsky of Fayetteville in 2018, Weaver Eleanor Lux of Eureka Springs in 2016, and Potter Peter Lippincott, formerly of Fort Smith. He was named so in 2010. Renovations at the Victory Theater in downtown Rogers will alter the schedule for the last play in the current Arkansas Public Theater season. The production of It Should Have Been You will move forward by a week, now opening July 21st and running through the 30th. The renovations at the theater are part of a partnership between the venue and the city of Rogers and are scheduled to start in August. Former Razorback athlete and Olympic gold medalist Veronica Campbell-Brown will receive an honorary degree from the University of Arkansas next month during the school's all-university commencement. Campbell-Brown, an alumna of the U of A, previously graduated from the Sam M. Walton College of Business in 2006 with a degree in business administration. She competed in five Olympiads for Jamaica, winning a gold medal actually winning three gold medals, three silvers, and two bronze medals. The number 12 Razorback softball team took two of three games from number 20 Kentucky this weekend. The team's stay in Kentucky continues with a game against Western Kentucky tonight in Bowling Green. The conference season resumes with a home three-game series against Tennessee beginning Saturday evening. The number 5 Arkansas Razorback baseball team's five-year streak of not being swept in the SEC series comes to an end. The Razorbacks lost all three games at Georgia this weekend to fall to 11-7 in conference play. The last SEC team to sweep Arkansas was Mississippi State in 2018. Arkansas will be at Missouri State on Tuesday night. That the enemies of Christ and our way of life have organized a worldwide conspiracy and a worldwide plot to destroy this constitutional republic and all Christian civilization. Even before I introduce you, Randy, we got to tell people what they heard, because that can be shocking to hear on its own. Well, it'll certainly get your attention on yeah. a Monday, won't it? Yeah. Who was that? That was Gerald L.K. Smith, and you probably have, have never heard of him, but uh, he was big, well, I guess you would say in the, the, from the Depression on. Into the early 70s. Yes. All right. Now that we've established who we heard, and we'll hear much more about him in a minute. I will tell you that sitting with me in the Anthony and Susan Hoy News Studio is Randy Dixon with the David and Barbara Pryor Center for Arkansas Oral Visual History. As we do every Monday, we're going to look back at a part of Arkansas history, and not all history is comfortable. Well, that's true. And this, uh, actually, Gerald L.K. Smith kind of came to Arkansas later in life. So I thought maybe we would just sort of set up who this guy is yes. and then we'll bring into his in, in his Arkansas connection which which will become quite evident and literally a big part of yes. this region a tall yes. part yes yes but all right for his background he was born in Wisconsin right around the turn of the century i believe it was in 1898 mm -hmm. uh his father was um a traveling salesman, but he was also a preacher on the side. Mainly, he would uh, preach at 
patriotic type occasions, you know, for those type of holidays. Right. So um, he was he was actually an ordained minister by the time he was 18 years old. Gerald L. K. Smith. Yes. Yes. Um, and after the stock market crash in 1929, he moved to Shreveport uh, because of his wife's health, and they thought that the that the treatment in Shreveport, Louisiana, was was good. Um, while he was there, he he uh, had a, a ministry. It was on the radio, but he was also um, the chaplain for the Louisiana uh, American Federation of Labor. So that's sort of how he got started in politics. Uh, the The biggest draw for him was he met Huey P. Long. The, the bigger-than-life governor of Louisiana. And very controversial, yeah. yes. Um, and then became U.S. senator for Louisiana. But uh, in 1934... Huey P. Long uh, formed the Share Our Wealth Society uh, and made Smith uh, the, the national organizer. And Share Our Wealth was sort of an alternative to Roosevelt's New Deal. It limited the amount of income per household or kept it within a range. Okay. And it would, as they said, share the wealth. Um so here's a here's a portion of a speech, and and he was known for his what oratory skills, and we'll hear more about that in a minute. But here's just an example of uh, how this guy operated, uh, and this is from 1936. These great phenomenal assemblies, whether they be headed by Dr. Francis E. Townsend. Gerald Smith or Father Charles E. Coughlin represent the unmistakable edict that is being issued to the corrupt, thieving politicians of America that the baby heaven stump grubbing, sod busting, go to meeting, God-fearing American people are about to take over the United States government of America. Our uh, profile is on Gerald L.K. Smith this week. Yes, and he was a follower of Huey, Huey P. P. Long, who hated Roosevelt, uh, was against everything uh, that Roosevelt stood for, the New Deal, and um, all of his politics. But in 1935, Long was assassinated. Right. And, you know, Smith's beliefs kind of made an ugly turn. Right. But I, I wanted to know more about this early part of, of uh, Smith's life. Because I I know about what happened in Arkansas, right. and that's that's coming I up. Know, but I that's know. where we use the KTV <laughs> yes. archives. But um, I spoke to one of our history professors, uh, Doctor Patrick Williams, who is well versed on Smith and the politics at the time. Throughout his life, he would claim claim to be a disciple of Long. He never repudiated Long, but he very quickly moves into an explicitly um, anti-Semitic white supremacist um, politics. He becomes one of the nation's noisiest anti-Semites, uh, publishes a, a anti-Semitic magazine, The Cross and the Flag, for almost 30 years from 1942 until his death in the 19. 70s. He's a leader of of um, far right movements with names that have a sort of contemporary resonance for us: the American First Party, the Christian Nationalist Crusade. Um, he's really uh, one of America's 
better known, best known players of this policy, of this politics of ethnic and racial supremacy, dresses it up in the in the sheep's clothing of of religious faith. We're setting up as Gerald L. K. Smith still isn't in Arkansas yet. Right. So he Smith kind of went out on his own after uh, Long died, and he announced his intent to form an independent movement to, as he put it, oppose communism and seize the government of the United States. Okay. Yeah. Well, that led to the formation of the America First Party. Sound familiar? It does. Yes. Um, This party, along with Smith's Christian Nationalist Crusade, uh, was often compared to fascism, Mm -hmm. uh, Nazism, Mm -hmm. the Ku Klux Klan, well, he even ran for president uh, in 1944 on the America First uh, Party candidate against Roosevelt. So um, he continued this rhetoric that, that you'll hear um, coming up about what Christian nationalism is. This, is. this is from the 1950s. Motive behind the term Christian nationalist is easy to define and simple to interpret. We believe that the destiny of America in relationship to its governing authority must be kept in the hands of our own people. We must never be governed by aliens. We must keep control of our own money and our own blood. In other words, we must remain true to the Declaration of Independence. That is nationalism. We believe that the spiritual symbol of our statesmanship is the cross which indeed is the symbol of Christianity. We believe that the inspiring dynamic out of which America grew is Christianity. We believe that there would be no real America such as we love and for which we're willing to die if there had been no Christianity. Thus, when a Christian is a nationalist, he becomes necessarily a Christian nationalist. Gerald L. K. Smith may have been seen uh, by many on the fringe, right, third party. But he was someone who was not unknown. People knew who Gerald L.K. Smith was, and he made an effort to get his beliefs out there through pamphlets and speeches and appearances. That's right. He was no shrinking violet. And, right, and he was, um, he was quite good at, uh, I guess you would call, rabble-rousing. Yeah. Um, and a lot of times he would give this a fiery speech— and people would be very excited about it and moved they action. wouldn't even know what he had said. Yeah. But he had moved them to uh, to act, maybe not knowing what they were acting on. All right, so we've got him born in Wisconsin, we've got him in Louisiana, we've got him with the American First Party. What's he okay. got to do with Arkansas? Well, in the mid sixties he came to Arkansas and so I talked to my old boss. Jim Pitcock, who, um, well, he'll pick up the story and tell you why we wanted to interview him. He ended up in Arkansas, uh, Eureka Springs, built an old, uh, he, he bought an older home there and then renovated it. And uh, he, he really gave Eureka Springs a shot in the arm. And he started getting a lot of publicity for this uh, uh, Christ of the Ozark statue that he was building. So we decided to go up and let's see if we could get an interview with it. So there it is, yeah. Yeah. Christ of the Ozarks. Yeah. So here's the 1965 interview Jim Pitcock was just talking about, and it took place with Smith and his wife, Elna, at the foot of the Christ of the Ozark statue uh, that was still under construction, had scaffolding up at the time. Here's that interview. Well, the world has always had enemies of Christ, and uh, it's been my observation that when Christ is really lifted up and glorified, he draws contemptuous remarks from a wide variety of areas, but... uh, Today, thousands of people are coming from all over the world to even see this statue in the period of construction. 
and it's estimated that a million people a year will come here to symbolize their love for and their tribute to their Savior, Jesus Christ. Sir, you've also received criticism for uh, your past life. Do you have any comment on that? Well, I believe that the criticism is an honor to my lifetime career. Here in Eureka Springs, we have developed an archives and a file which will glorify people who have been our very personal friends, including General Douglas MacArthur, the late Henry Ford, the great industrialist Charles Lindbergh, the late assassinated uh, Huey P. Long of Louisiana. These men were all our very personal friends in times of great controversy when we were subjected to intense criticism. Seven foot, or seven story, yeah. uh, tall statue. Um, and I understand, and this was 2017, but the New York Times said it was the fourth uh, most popular statue to be visited in the United States. Hmm. And it was uh, fourth behind the Lincoln Memorial. Statue of Liberty's got to be in there. Statue of Liberty and Mount Rushmore. Okay. Now, as a matter of fact, the sculptor who worked on this statue. Christ of the Ozarks. Right. Yeah. Actually uh, worked on Mount Rushmore. Oh. Hmm. So he had skilled uh, help. Yes. Yes. Uh, with this. But he had a vision of opening an entire Christian, I guess, theme park. Mm -hmm. And to some degree, it happened. That's right. Because right after he dedicated the Christ of the Ozarks statue, he saw sort of a natural amphitheater mm -hmm. close by and built the Great Passion Play. Right. Which is still being conducted today. That's right. Um, you know, it has a cast of hundreds. Uh, there are live animals. Um, I think the uh, the seating is about 6,000. Ooh, I didn't realize it was that um, big, yeah. I believe so. Um, and, you know, it's about Christ's final week and his resurrection. But I found another KTV interview with Smith, mm -hmm. and this was in 1972, uh, he was still involved in his politics and his causes. And in this interview, he talks about the presidential politics at the time and the fact that then-Governor Dale Bumpers had not accepted his invitation to come attend the Passion Play. My mission in life is to use my vast experience to help fulfill my dreams. I believe that reminiscence and dwelling on the past is a dangerous vice for an elderly man. I think we ought to have more elderly people talking about what they're going to do tomorrow rather than what they did 20 years ago in Chicago or New York or Little Rock. What are you going to do tomorrow? Well, I'm going to keep on my propaganda activity in which I'm the mother's milk for 2,000 right-wing organizations that don't want McGovern in the White House. Who do you want in the White House? Well, the man I wanted in the White House got shot, so I've had to take the lesser of two evils, and I'm supporting Richard Nixon. What do you feel about the present administration in Arkansas? Well, I think the governor's doing a good job. I don't see how a man as intelligent as he is could allow the Gazette to twist his arm to the point where he'd be afraid to come and see the biggest tourist attraction in the state of Arkansas at Eureka Springs. Is his invitation still open? No. I've closed the invitation. I've put the red carpet away. And if he wants to see the Passion Play, he's going to have to buy a ticket. How many people are you attracting up there now every year? Well, over a million have come to see the statue this year. They've registered from 41 foreign nations. Our attendance will be 47% above last year, which will run at some place between 150 and 200,000. What do you feel is the most important issue in this year's presidential campaign? The most important issue is to keep McGovern out of the White House because he's on the wrong side of everything. No, nope, Dale Bumpers, Governor Dale Bumpers is going to have to buy a ticket. The red carpet is up. Yeah. And to my knowledge, Dale Bumpers never did buy a ticket. To no, he didn't. And he, he never went. And uh, and did, did you notice he was talking about the presidential politics oh, and that his candidate had been shot? That's George Wallace. Yes. Yeah. So. So obviously um, he was for the. Sure. 
uh, George Wallace, who famously raises Kennedy. Exactly. Uh, and um, will you can describe Gerald L. K. Smith myriad ways, but he was often sure of his opinions. McGovern's wrong on everything. Oh, everything. <laughs> end of end of my critical thinking about it. Yeah, and yeah. It, you know, well, if we got to go with somebody, we'll go with Nixon. Right. Yeah. So we caught up with him again in 75, KATV did. And these comments, um, I got to warn you, yeah. it, it really shows his uh, anti-Semitism. You're going to hear a comment. We're not going to bleep it because it, you really got to hear this to understand Gerald and, L. K. Smith. And he had no problem saying it. No. And, you know, I guess he still held a grudge against Dale Bumpers mm-hmm. for not going to the Passion Play because this is after— Bumpers defeated Fulbright right. for the Senate seat, and, well, Smith had a problem with that. So I'm filing a petition with the Department of Justice, and I'm filing petition with the Commission on Elections of the Congress of the United States asking for a Watergate-type investigation of Senator Bumpers and how he used that Jew money that was used to retire William Fulbright from the United States Senate. The reason I'm interested in this is because it's all a part of a mechanical political operation among people who hate the name of Jesus Christ. Oof. Okay. I mean, um, right? There's there, there's no there's no way to he did not mince that. words. No. So there's there's your anti-Semitism on full display. But now, you know, despite his, I guess, bigoted baggage, he did do good things uh, for the economy of Eureka Springs. If you think about in the mid-60s, uh, tourism had just dropped off because Eureka Springs was originally known as a health mm-hmm. uh, spa area and springs, mm-hmm. and um, it had kind of dropped off, and Here's Jim Pitcock to talk about what he saw in the mid-60s of, of what Smith did for the area. And to this day, it is still a, a place where a lot of tourists, uh, you know, go to the area to go, A, see the statue, and B, to attend the Passion Play, which... Uh, uh, Smith started back in, oh, I think it was a couple of years after he finished the statue. And the, the Passion Play draws, draws uh, visitors from all over the country. And they will often stay two or three, four days in that area. And they might see the Passion Play, uh, you know, twice while they're there on a visit. So it has been as far as a tourist attraction, it has been a boon for the Eureka Springs area. I wanted to talk a little more about that. I tried to contact the the Passion Play folks, and they... No response? No response. Didn't return my calls. But I did talk to the Chamber of Commerce, and uh, Mike Seals uh, talked about the, the tourism aspect of, of all of that. The most attended out door uh, drama in the U.S. I believe over the years they're approaching like 8 million attendees to the show. And uh, for Eureka Springs, you know, it's, it's, been a, it's been a centerpiece and a cornerstone of our tourism industry for over 50 years. And, and it continues it continues to be a, 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 an important part of our of our tourism business. Uh, maybe not as big as it used to be 20, 30 years ago, uh, because Eureka Springs has so much to offer. You want to hear a little more of his rhetoric? Yeah. Just um, I just I think just to put it in context, we should. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's. Let's hear from Gerald L.K. Smith one more time. Maintain a government set up by the majority, which abuses no minority, and is abused by no minority. 
fight mongrelization and all attempts being made to force the intermixture of the black and white races. You know, it's, I want to say that, it, you know, we all have complicated histories. This isn't really, Gerald L. K. Smith's is not a complicated history. It's an ugly history. And I will tell you, um, I had a grandparent who was enamored of Gerald L. K. Smith. Thought really? he, oh yes, thought he was saying all the things that needed to be said. So it takes all kinds to make history. I guess so. What do you got for us next week? I don't know. I, I just saw the Kate brothers at George's. Well, I like this. Um, what, what about, you know, we've interviewed both Kate brothers, the Prior Center has, mm-hmm. and some band members, and um, I recorded a little bit of the show. What if, what if we do the Kate brothers? I love, I love that idea. Okay. All right. All right, we'll do a music show next week. The Kate Brothers on Ozarks at Large next week. Randy Dixon is with the Pryor Center for Arkansas Oral and Visual History. Hey, by the way, Pryor Center, thanks for hosting us for the live recording of the oh, Natural Election great. Podcast. Yeah, we're going to do more projects together. Sounds great. Thank you, Randy. All right. KUAF is your source for news and entertainment, both on the air and in your podcast feed. With podcasts like Ozarks at Large, Points of Departure, The Lunch Hour, and Undisciplined, you can rely on KUAF to bring you a diverse lineup of culture and news whenever you need it. Find our entire lineup of podcasts at KUAF.com slash podcast. Tomorrow night, David Sedaris returns to the Walton Arts Center stage. Sedaris's commentaries have entertained fans on public radio programs like This American Life in more than a dozen books as part of CBS Sunday Morning and through the decades of speaking tours. His 2000 collection of essays... Me Talk Pretty One Day was awarded the Thurber Prize for American Humor. His latest book is Happy Go Lucky, published last May. A few weeks ago, I talked with David Sedaris and asked him about getting back on tour following the pandemic. One of the things that I thought was bad for us as a country was um, that the mask became a campaign butt. Mm. And and so there was some, just you just noticed so much more hostility everywhere. Whereas normally people wouldn't necessarily, they might pass somebody on the street, but not know or particularly care how that person voted. But then, especially toward the end with, with masks, it, it was just a lot of hostility. Every day on the plane, there was some kind of a fight or you were always having somebody make a comment. And, you know, I was just trying to get through the day, you know. And so I thought, well, I'll just do what people tell me to, you know, whatever is expected of me, I'll do it just because I'm just grateful to be out here and working again. So it just seemed, we just seemed so divided then. And we might be just as divided right now, but it's not as obvious when you look at a, you know, if you pluck 10 people off the street, you can't immediately tell which side somebody's on. So that was, and then I was just in India. Mm-hmm. And have you been to India? No, I have not. It's on my list. I was at a little science museum, and and I got in line to buy a ticket, and then the I thought the person behind me like just pressing right up against me, like he was cuddling me in bed, <laughs> <laughs> and it it was shocking. You know, it was as if somebody had said, "If you do not have a ticket." Within the next 30 seconds, you will be shot dead. Like, I couldn't understand his uh, desperation. Uh, but it was shocking to have someone that close, you know, because I, I think we're still not used to, maybe we're not keeping six feet distance, but I mean, we're not used to having somebody that we don't know that close to us. And it, and it happened over and over again. Yeah, I, it's, it's funny you bring that up because I remember, you know, a couple of years into the pandemic, the last stranger's hand I had shaken and it was just weird because you can go through a day and you you shouldn't have to think well this might be the last handshake I have for 23 months it just did sort of seem less intimate or I don't know but you're right I I I understand what you're saying and I could not bear that elbow bump I just couldn't (laughs) bear it I thought well just don't even try then just say hello you know and just wave to somebody, but that just seemed like such a poor substitute. And I wouldn't care if I never hugged anybody for the rest of my life. And in France, you know, the years that I lived there, mm-hmm. I, I really don't like kissing people. Um, just don't like it. Uh, so 
I was happy not to have to hug and kiss, but I, I did miss handshakes. Yeah. Well, and I'm, I'm sure that during the pandemic, you just missed talking and being in front of crowds and, and interacting. I did miss that. I mean, I wasn't as, you know, I've talked to so many people who were really isolated that whole time. But, you know, we had dinner parties, I don't know, two, three nights a week. Anyone was welcome. Uh, I traveled as much as I could. I went to England. I went to North Carolina a lot. Like I didn't, you know, it stopped me in certain way, you know, like with work-wise, but I didn't let it stop me any other, you know, it's not like I didn't, didn't get out. Right. Didn't see people. It's just that the people I saw had to be as reckless as I was. The the latest book is Happy Go Lucky. And I've always wondered, I'm no writer, uh, I've always wondered how someone knows when the book is ready to go, other than, and maybe this is how you know, a deadline. Uh, well, the deadlines, I've never missed a book deadline. Um but you can have a lot of play with the deadline, you know, in, in the year before it. You don't want the book to be in the catalog and then miss that deadline. That's bad. That gives you a bad reputation. But uh, what I, so many, the essays in that book, I read them all on stage, like, I don't know, 30 times minimum. And, and so I, you know, I, I still do that now. I get up on stage, I read something new, I take it back to my hotel room, I rewrite it, I read it, I rewrite it. And then when I can't think of any other way to fix it, I give it to my editor. And then she comes back with her notes. And then if it's in the New Yorker, then that editor comes back with her notes. So there's a certain point where I just feel like, okay, there's nothing more that three people can do with this. And I'm pretty happy with it. So I just put it in the pile, and when I have enough to have a book, I just think, oh, that looks like a book to me. <laughs> I love that. Uh, on the cover of Happy Go Lucky is quite the arresting image. Um, a clown holding a poodle. <laughs> what can you tell me about this? Because it, it's, it, you can't walk by this image. Well, I wanted a creepy clown on the cover. And so the book designer sent me a cheerful clown. And I said, no, I'm in a creepy clown. And so they sent me another cheerful clown. And so I Googled creepy clown. And that was <laughs> the, the clown with the poodle on his lap and the child at his side was the first image that came up. So I, I said, this is what I want. And they said, but he's creepy. I said, exactly. <laughs> and I have met so many people at book signings who put a, a cover on the book like they make a cover out of paper because they have a problem with clowns <laughs> and so i always when they come to get a book signed i draw a clown on the cover <laughs> well if if the goal was to find to google creepy clown and find one success isn't he the creepiest and then my british publisher wanted to colorize the photo <laughs> but that makes it kind of campy and nostalgic and ruins it. It's yeah. not nearly as creepy. So I put my clown shoe down and I said no. <laughs> Finally, you are a veteran traveler. You're an international traveler. I'm looking at your itinerary. Of course, this is what you do. But I get a little anxious and panicked just looking at going from, I don't know, Los Angeles to Oregon, then to to Colorado. I have anxiety just trying to get an itinerary for a trip that I'm going to take in three months. Going back to back and with weather and flights, do you like that? I don't like when there's drama. Yeah. Obviously, I don't like it, but there are other people who take care of that. Like It's not like I ever have to stand in the customer service line. Yeah. You know, like the travel agent is right on it or... My lecture agent is right on it. And so I don't, there's only been a few. It's, my problem is that I'm kind of uh, mentally ill. And so I have a number of things that I, I live in service of, right? So I live in service of 
my Apple Watch, right? So I have to get a number of steps in a day or the earth will spin off its axis. So that means, you know, and sometimes you're, you have two flights and one of the flights is late and your agent calls a car and you spend eight hours in a car. Well, how are you going to walk for 10 miles when you're in a car for eight hours? So I always have to worry that might happen. So that means I'll get up at five o'clock in the morning, you know, get back to the hotel room at one thirty, and get up at five so I can get all that walking. And in case there's a problem with uh, one of my flights, right? And now someone started me on this Duolingo, mm-hmm. right? Which it's more like a video game, actually. I've never played a, I've never played a game like a computer game in my life. And I'm not sure how good Duolingo is on the ground. Like I just went to Japan and I used hardly any of the Japanese I learned from Duolingo. Um, all the Japanese I used, I learned from somewhere else. But I have to, I have to be in the top five or <laughs> again, the world will spin off its axis. So that's a lot of, a lot of little things I've got outside of everything else I have to do. Now I have those two things to do and you can't do them at the same time because I don't want to be that person who's walking down the street with a phone in his hand. The latest book is Happy Go Lucky. David Sedaris, thank you so much for your time. Oh, it's a pleasure. David Sedaris will be at Walton Art Center tomorrow night at 7. Very limited tickets remain. You can find out more at waltonartcenter.org. His most recent book, Happy Go Lucky. Little Wing presents Dave Mason coming to the City Auditorium Thursday, July 27th at 7.30 p.m. Reserve tickets go on sale this Friday at 10 a.m. at tickets.thunderticks.com. Dave Mason live, July 27th. Tomorrow on Ozarks at Large, Susan Burton was incarcerated more than once for drug offenses. Upon getting released, she realized there was little in the way of support for people re-entering life from prison. So she decided to change that. You know, I started a new way of life reentry project um, after over 20 years of providing services. Um, I, I started that for women because often women are so left out and underserved, and we overrepresent the rates of incarceration in America. So uh, I've seen. Uh, lives restored. Susan Burton, founder of A New Way of Life, recently came to Northwest Arkansas to talk about what is now an international effort to help people transition from incarceration. Our conversation tomorrow on Ozarks at Large at noon and 7 and at OzarksAtLarge.com. Hi, this is Lee Wood, KUAF's general manager. You can make a gift to KUAF that gives back twice. Make a gift now through a charitable gift annuity and receive a tax deduction and income for life. KUAF will benefit, and so will you. Send an email to member at KUAF.com to learn more. This is 91.3 KUAF, Fayetteville, Fort Smith, Rogers, and Garfield. Contributors today included Anna Pope and Randy Dixon. Jacqueline Froelich contributed information about singer senior hunger and additional content today provided by the news team at KUAR Radio in Little Rock. Our theme is written and performed by Daryl Sean. Lee Wood is the general manager at KUAF. Matthew produced today's show inside the Bruce and Ann Applegate News Studio 2. Matthew, uh, how did it go with all of the high school students that were in our building last week? It was great. We had one session, we had you know about a half dozen students. The other session we had about 35 <laughs> students. Uh, the Rick Stockdale Conference Room was more than stacked. Overflowing, yes. yes. It's great to see them there. Great to see a lot of excited future journalists in this region. Uh, and you talked to them about podcasts, so we'll keep our ears open. Maybe they'll start some. I hope so. From the Carver Center for Public Radio, I'm Kyle Kellams. I'm Matthew Moore.